What is up, everybody? Welcome to your day two of the draft edition of Locked on Vikings. The second day has passed. It is now the morning of day three, and you are probably listening to this as day three transpires, so apologies for the old information. Uh, but we have a couple of players to talk about and twice as many trades to talk about. Uh, Slick Rick was busy this fine evening on which I am recording this podcast. Uh, as always, I am your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at LukeBraunNFL. You can find the show on Twitter at LockedOnVikings. You can always find this show on all of your favorite podcast apps like Himalaya, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, wherever you like them. And if you don't like podcast apps or if you listen to the car and uh, and you don't want to be scrolling through your phone or dealing with clunky podcast apps, you can always just ask your smart device like Siri or Amazon Alexa to play podcast locked on Vikings. So we have like a whole lot of stuff to analyze and get to, uh, and I kind of just want to jump right in. So as we were sitting there and, and like looking at the board yesterday, during yesterday's show, before the entire second round started, we saw a lot of like first round quality players that were left. Those all got snapped up right away, which is pretty much to be expected. Everybody kind of looks at the board. They say, oh my goodness, somebody, so, you know, so-and-so fell out of the first round. We never thought that would happen. We're going to trade up and get him. And that's what, that's what happens. There's always like three or four trades at the top of the second round where people trade up and get their Cody Ford or trade up and get their Dalton Risner. This was Will Hernandez. And I think it was like Austin Corbett, maybe Braden Smith, Nick Chubb, you know, those like top of the second round guys are always guys that you probably should have seen go in the first. And now there's steals and somebody is going to like trade the farm to go up and get them. Uh, so all those guys kind of get swept off the board. And at a certain point, uh, they're, they're they're kind of like you hit a talent cliff. And I think you hit that talent cliff around pick like 39, 40-ish in this one. And at the bottom of that talent cliff is a, a talent plateau with about 20 players that I think are all in, in similar, totally worthy of being taken at pick 50, uh, but the difference between, you know, one guy to the next is pretty small. And that's where we ended up picking, which is why if you were following me on Twitter at the time, I was hammering like trade down, trade down, trade out, trade out, trade out. I really wanted them to trade back a little bit, try to eke a little bit of extra value because the guys you're going to miss out on are not going to be that much better or, or worse than the guy you're going to still end up getting. It's, it's free money if you can find a partner. Uh, and the Vikings didn't do that. They took tight end Irv Smith Jr. And I wanted to say that first and get it out of the way because I'm about to gush. I love Irv Smith Jr. I think he's a phenomenal pick at pick 50. I think he's absolutely worth the value. I actually think he's a little bit better than the value at pick 50. Uh, If everything went perfectly chalk, he would not have been available at 50. And when you can say that about the guy that your team took, it is always a good thing. I wish they had eked a little bit of extra value, but I think this is a principle that you have to kind of understand about the way that I'm going to analyze all of these picks in the draft. Just because there is something that I would have rather done doesn't mean I don't also like what the Vikings did. You know, I like Garrett Bradbury. I would have taken Andre Dillard. I would have liked him even more, but I still like Garrett Bradbury plenty, and I love Irv Smith. Irv Smith actually might be my favorite uh, Vikings draft pick in a good while. I, I don't think I've been that ex- this excited about a Vikings draft pick since maybe like Pat Elfline a couple years ago. And, and beyond that, I can't even really tell you one. 
So let's get a little bit into Irv Smith. I did choose him in a mock draft Monday, so uh, go find that one. I, I wish I knew off the top of my head what date that podcast was, but that was the first time that I talked about Irv Smith. But here's the thing about Irv Smith that I think is going to be the, like, in a nutshell, single-sentence way to describe him is that he is not bad at any single thing. There are no weaknesses. No huge... I mean, some people might get a little annoyed that he doesn't quite have, like, the length and the height that you typically want in, like, a contested catch guy, and Alabama never really like asked him to make contested catches but I think a lot of that is because he was open all the time <laughs> like you know not having to make a lot of contested catches is not necessarily a bad thing because it kind of means you didn't have like you weren't covered like yeah of course you didn't make contested catches and his skill set is kind of conducive to that he doesn't have like the tested athleticism you would typically want in a tight end uh, you know, he didn't do great on the agility scores. He didn't run a great 40. Uh, he didn't like, he, he didn't test the way you thought you were going to see him test the way he looked on film. And to that, I, I kind of say, okay, that means you have to go back and look at the film. And, uh, somebody did that Brad Kelly did at the draft network. I'm going to link that article. And he basically came away with it. Like, all right, I don't know what happened in the combine, but look, he can clearly do the things that the test t- typically simulate. So like, it's fine and calm down. Uh, and that is the end of the list of his negatives is like test of athleticism wasn't very good, but that probably doesn't matter. And like, I guess he's, his arms are a little shorter than you wish they were. And that's it. He can block, uh, fine. He has actually like a really great competitive toughness to him. Um, he, again, he wasn't asked to pass protect much, but when he did, there was really nothing there that like would set off any alarms. Uh, he can run routes just fine. He has a few technical things he could improve on here and there, but can absolutely like step in day one and be an NFL caliber route runner. Uh, and just the natural ability, I, I think that he can like be a lot faster. I think he said in, in his post draft like little press conference with the media he said uh you know I don't think there's a linebacker or a safety in this league that can cover me one-on-one and I don't know how wrong he is uh you know he is supposed to be a mismatch guy that's the kind of thing you know you hear about these like mismatch nightmare tight ends guys that you just can't really cover with anybody if you put a linebacker on him he's too fast if you put a safety on him he's too big and that is kind of the like prototype that is becoming so popular in the NFL and the fi- the Vikings have finally gotten theirs I-, I think that he is a well-rounded all-around player if you really wanted to hate on the pick I guess you could say like oh his ceiling isn't as high as like Noah Fance or TJ Hawkinson's but I kind of don't care like he's kind of I guess he's already at his ceiling that's not a bad thing it means he doesn't we don't have to wait for him to develop into who he's going to be so this creates uh, a kind of interesting situation in the tight end room, right? Uh, there was a little bit of talk uh, right after Irv Smith got drafted where, ooh, are they going to like trade Kyle Rudolph for another day two pick now? I would have liked that. I think it would have been an efficient use of resources. Um, but now that that hasn't happened, our consolation prize is the nastiest 12 personnel <laughs> ever. So uh, imagine this, you know, you come out and here is your personnel package. You have Diggs and Thielen on the outside. You have two tight ends, Irv Smith and Kyle Rudolph, and then you have Dalvin Cook in the backfield. I say good luck against that in coverage. That is a lot of really, really difficult players to cover, and not even necessarily because they're like superstars. Like, you know, it's it's hard to cover Diggs and Thielen because they're just very good at this. It's just hard to cover Irv Smith because it's like awkward to match up against him, and I think that's true of Smith, Rudolph, and Dalvin Cook, and I feel like you only have so many players that can match up against those guys you are going to have a mismatch somewhere on the field when you come out in that 12 personnel. And because of the the growing popularity of like nickel defenses as a response to the growing popularity of like more wide receivers on offense, that means that extra tight end formations are now the kind of the zig to the league's zag. So it, it allows you to, you know, kind of maintain yourself on 
that cutting edge. I, I cannot gush more about enough about this kid. I love his attitude. I love his swagger. I love what he does on the football field. And I think that there's like very few scenarios where this comes back to bite us. I'm really, really excited about Irv Smith. I, I kind of wish they had traded back and eked a little extra value, but I'm also kind of being greedy about that. Uh, uh, on the whole, Irv Smith is an excellent player for, for the Vikings. They probably aren't going to extend Kyle Rudolph now. That means he's going to hit the open market, hopefully make a bunch of money. He deserves it. And hopefully that nets some extra compensatory picks for, uh, or an extra compensatory pick for the Vikings later. You can get a little bit of extra value there and then stay a little bit cheaper at the tight end position. That'll help relieve a little bit of the, the pressure on another salary cap strained year in 2020. So that was the first pick. And and that puts me over the moon. And honestly, as much, you know, we're going to talk a lot about the round three shenanigans and what kind of happened there. And I like some of it and I don't like some of it. Uh, and all of that being said, this is the headline. The headline is they got a good move tight end and a, a receiving threat and their 12 personnel is just disgusting now and they're going to like strain everybody's linebackers and everybody's linebackers lives are going to be hell against the Vikings. That is the headline. So, so do not like let what I'm about to talk about overshadow that. So I'm going to step away to an ad break. Uh, and when I come back, we'll talk about the third round and all the other stuff. And maybe if we have time, we'll talk a little day three preview where the Vikings have nine picks. So <laughs> there's a lot going on. Talk to you guys in a second. All right. Welcome back. So I'm going to try to whip through this uh, trade stuff really quick because I'm running pretty behind so I can get through uh, Alexander Madison and get have enough time to really get into him uh, before I, I run out of time. So with these trades... Uh, if you are living under a rock or if you somehow didn't realize or you fell asleep or whatever, here is what happened. The, the Vikings picked at pick 81, uh, then they traded with the Lions, they traded back seven picks, and then they traded back with Seattle to move back another four, then they made a really weird trade with the Jets to move back exactly one spot, uh, they were at pick 93 by this point, and then they moved back nine more with Baltimore. So that's four trades, and, and it would be very tedious to go through all four of them and like evaluate which ones were good and which ones were bad and stuff. What I want to do is evaluate them as an entire package, because I think that's the way that Rick Spielman was thinking. You know, when you when you trade back, and, and I'm generally a fan of trading back, and I'll get into the philosophy of that in a second here, but when you trade back, you're thinking for two reasons. A, there's somebody that I like, and you know, you would say, all right, I like this guy. I don't think anybody else is as high on this guy, so I'm going to trade back and see if I can't, you know, squeeze out a little bit of value and still get my guy. That's basically free money, right? You know, if I'm going to pick, you know, if they, if they were looking at Alexander Madison at 81 and if they were okay with taking Alexander Madison at 81 and now they still got Alexander Madison but five extra draft picks it's free money it's free value and that's one re reason to trade back the other is the same logic that I talked about in in round two I have a very similar opinion of everybody on the board there isn't one single person that's sticking out to me you know when you, when you trade back you always risk that the guy you were targeting gets taken in front of you now because you let a bunch of teams go in front of you uh, but if you don't care about that because I mean say you trade back for Four spots and there's five guys that you would be okay with, that means you're going to get somebody that you would have taken if you hadn't traded back. You know, you're going to get one of those guys anyways, and now you just get whatever value the team that traded up with you is willing to give up to get to that point. And if there's nobody that sticks out, you know, if you were like, man, you know, I really like Yadni Kajust, uh, that's the only person really that I have like a huge problem with uh, the Vikings missing out on because of all these trade backs and not even a huge problem. The only person that I was like disappointed to see go everybody else. I was like, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll figure it out. Or there was another guy of, of equivalent value on the board. But say, you know, you were just like hell bent on 
Yadni Kajust and that was your guy and then you traded back and somebody took Yadni Kajust in front of you like that's that's what you're risking but if there are five Yadni Kajust adjacent players or like Yadni Kajust equivalent players and you trade back four spots even if all four teams come up in front of you and take somebody who is on that list you still get one of them and that is when it's valuable to trade down because remember you're taking players you're not taking picks and this is something that we're going to talk about more in the uh, the overall like draft recap episode, but it doesn't matter where you selected the player. It doesn't make that player better or worse. Uh, so, you know, Garrett Bradbury is, I think he's like the 21st best player on the consensus board. You got the 21st best player. You didn't get the 18th best player. You might call that a reach. I think it's close enough to not really care. But that's how we should be, you know, evaluating these things. The Vikings got the 21st best player, and then I think the, like, 42nd best player in Irv Smith. And then, uh, spoiler alert, Alexander Madison is, like, not that optimistic. He's somewhere in, the like, the 150s or 160s, I think. But you got those players. You didn't get the 18th player and the 50th player. You know, you got the the 21st player and the 42nd player. And that's the way that I want to characterize these things. And after day three is when we can really look at all of the value and stuff. Because if they still get, say, a tackle that I see as equivalent to Yadni Kajust, I don't think there's one available, but somebody close enough or, you know, somebody within that range, uh, you know, we can look at that and and then really start to get a, a better sense of the value generated here. We know what the Vikings started with. They started with those eight picks that we mock draft 100 million times. And if they come out with picks that are worth more, then they did a good job. And if they come out with players that are worth more, then they really did a good job. And if they come out with picks that are worth more, but not players that are worth more, that means that the trades were good, but the picks were bad. And that's a distinction that we can absolutely make. And, and you know, we, that we can leave our opinion there. And that is an acceptable place to kind of conclude our analysis. So enough beating around the bush. A lot of people were pretty upset with all of this trading back because they think it's Rick Spielman getting too cute or trying to like navigate too much or he's just weirdly addicted to trading. And and I think like we all know that's not really what's going on here, right? Like we know that that's all jokes. Uh, We know he's trying to create more value and get more lottery tickets in the later rounds of the draft where he really thinks that fifth and sixth and seventh round players are quality football players that he wants to have in the team. And if he gets enough of those in the team, to the point where these guys can't make it because there isn't enough roster space to him. That's a good problem to have. Uh, so, and and I think, you know, Oh, I, I like, I heard, I saw a lot of people saying like, I like the idea of like one trade back or two trade backs, but four, that's ridiculous. And I think let's, let's wrap this all up because I think like the, the fact that it happened over the course of four trades is the way that you can acquire things that one team would never give you. The Vikings moved back 21 spots in the third round. They got five draft picks in return. What GM in their right mind would pay five draft picks to go up 21 picks in the third round? It wouldn't happen. And if if the Vikings had pulled off that deal just at one team, if like, say, just the Jets were like, yeah, we'll give you five picks to move up 21 spots, we'd be going like, oh my goodness, this is black magic. That is insane. We would be freaking out and, and praising Rick Spielman as this wizard. But the fact that it happened over the co- course of four trades, I think is just annoying to people who were like up past their bedtime. Uh, so I think some of that criticism is a little bit unfounded. So uh, Krauserific on Twitter uh, actually like laid all this out and did all the math using the the approximate value trade chart that we've talked about on this podcast. Uh, so here's the rundown. They gave up the 81st pick and the 209th pick. They actually did give up the 209th in the Seattle trade. And they got back pick 102, pick 159, pick 191, pick 193, pick 204, and pick 217. So if you add up all the AV, and I'll link the tweet so you can like look and he showed his work and stuff, but I'm not going to like bog you down with that. They gave up 7.2 AV, 
for 10.7 AV. And I'm not going to bother explaining AV right now. Uh, I'll, I'll leave a link to that as well in the show notes if you do want to read up on like what AV means. I'll maybe explain it on a later show, but don't worry about it right now. Uh, but that is 148.6% return. It essentially creates the equivalent in AV of a fourth round pick, a late fourth round pick out of thin air. That's it. That's the profit. That's the net. You you gave up a third. You got a later third. You got a bunch of extra picks. You add them all up. They add. It's as if you got another late fourth round pick out of thin air. That's how the trades work. That's based on historical data, based on how these, these draft picks tend to work out. That's what you got in return. So before we talk about the dreaded uh, drafting a running back in day two decision that I'm going to rag on pretty hard. Uh, let's talk real quick about ZipRecruiter, sponsor of this episode. Hiring can be kind of rough, and if you've ever done it, you know that it's a very complex process, and you're always dealing with multiple job sites and stacks of resumes and a confusing review process. However, you can make hiring a lot easier if you use ZipRecruiter.com. We actually have a special link, ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. It's the one place you have, you have to go, and you can get all your stuff done nice and organized for you. It will send your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they do not stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. And as those applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. It is so effective, in fact, that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, you, the listeners, my beloved babies, can try ZipRecruiter for free with the exclusive web address. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. All free. You can try it out. ZipRecruiter.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So let's address the elephant in the room. The Vikings did all of that trading. They traded back to pick 102, the last pick of the third round, the finale of the night, and they take a running back out of Boise State that nobody had going in day two. Um, They took Alexander Madison out of Boise State, and here is the skinny on him. So I'm going to try to give you the most, like, unbiased kind of review of who he is, and then I'll tell you about, like, what I don't like and why I'm so, like distraught by the pick uh and i'm trying not to be too negative because the rest of the night up until this point was phenomenal the trade downs created a fourth round pick out of thin air the second round pick irv smith jr i love him and i could gush about him for hours but this just leaves such a bitter taste in my mouth and i'm recording this right after it happened so i'm going to try not to be too negative about it but here's the deal on him he's five foot ten he's like 220 big bowling ball big bruiser right that's what everybody talks about him he's like a thumper he you know this like old school downhill grind it out you know go take dish out hits and wear down the defense type now i've talked a little on this podcast i've talked a lot on twitter about why i kind of think that like wearing down the defense is a myth like these are football players they don't get tired of contact uh and if they do get tired of contact like if they tell you like i was tired of contact it doesn't tend to show up in their production defenses don't get worse as as a a run heavy game goes along there's been a lot of really good data analysis and, and work done on that that like if a team runs a lot the defense that they're going against doesn't seem to show these signs of fatigue so maybe they're really sore but maybe being sore doesn't make you worse at football 
However, if, if that is what you are looking for, then yes, this would be a, a good running back to take. He is like your Latavius Murray minus four inches, which is actually a good thing for a running back. You do want like a lower center of gravity. If you're going to be a thumping running back, it makes it easier for you to bowl people over, not to mention just like a more compact frame and just better. Like people use the word like violent all the time. He's a violent runner. He'll run you over uh, and, and a smart runner, a cerebral runner, somebody who can, you know, identify the holes. He's very much an inside zone, outside zone guy in Boise State. So like mentally, he is very used to those kinds of concepts, finding that hole, hitting it, kind of slashing through, like moving, uh, moving offensive lines and the, you know, the same kind of things that the Vikings would ask him to do here. Uh, and, and so, you, you know, he runs strong, he runs smart and he's got a nice compact frame and that is where the strengths end. here is what he doesn't do. He does not run fast. Uh, which seems like it's probably important for running backs. Uh, he, you know, he doesn't have breakaway speed. If he gets through to the second level, unlike somebody like Dalvin Cook or even like Mike Boone or Rock Thomas were in the preseason last year, you know, he's not going to house it. He'll, he'll, he'll get through to the second level and it'll be a successful play, but he's not going to get you the next 20 yards. And personally, I actually am not really bothered by that because A, that's a situation you're in very like seldom. So I'm not like too worried that he's like squandering opportunities to get even more yards because I don't think it squanders like really enough opportunities for it to be like a huge consideration in which running back you're going to draft. Here's my, my issue with him. He, he doesn't, run fast and he doesn't have very much like lateral quickness or anything like that. So he's not going to like juke somebody out of his shoes or anything like that. He's kind of a hurdle king. You might get some really fun highlights out of that and that could be very fun. Um, but he doesn't pass catch and he is a work in progress in pass protection. So he's kind of like, you know, like Matt Asiata was, uh, probably not as bad as Matt Asiata. Matt Asiata was a pretty bad running back, but not unlike Matt Asiata, he's kind of a tell. He really is only useful as a ball carrier. Uh, and like maybe, I don't know, weirdly a lead blocker if you're like want to do something really strange, but he's mainly like a, a running back out of the dot and he can't really do anything other than that. Uh, and that, that means that he's a tell when he comes on the field, that means that the defense is going to be like, oh, this is probably a run. And if it isn't a run, then you have somebody who is bad at pass things in a passing play. That is also bad. It's kind of the same situation you were dealing with, with Adrian Peterson, except with a lot less upside involved. Like it sounds like the same situation the Vikings were dealing with, with Adrian Peterson, but when he was old and injured and couldn't cut or like run, you know, run away and house a big long run like he used to, it was, it's like old and washed Adrian Peterson. And then just drafted that in the third round. Uh, but even that is like, I, I think a palatable thing. Cause he's a backup, right? Like I just talked about how the Vikings are going to be compelled to use multiple tight ends more often. And that means using multiple running backs much like less often. And you're going to use Dalvin cook a lot. You know, the offense last year really ran through Dalvin cook. He got the most touches, uh, out of any skill player on the team, including Diggs and Thielen. He got a lot of touches and that's going to be true again in 2019. And it should be true. He's a dynamic player. But unfortunately, what that means is that there's going to be a, a like a, you're going to have a much harder time getting your third round pick on the field. And that's a bad space to be in. And it's not like the roster is going to, you know, change in some way in the next few years that changes that Dalvin Cook's going to stick around. And, you know, Irv Smith is going to stick around and David Morgan's going to be your second tight end after that. So if you want to sell me on like we got this violent bruiser, you have to convince me that players who took a violent hit in the second quarter are going to be worse defenders in the fourth quarter. And the data doesn't show that. And and I would say that if you asked a player, hey, is a hit going to knock you out of this game? If you get a nice hit from a running back, are you going to be worse now? There, I don't think a single player in the league is going to tell you yes. The NFL is a different place than it was in the 90s when these kinds of running backs were at a premium. And our offensive coaching staff from the late 90s drafted a player from the late 90s. And I, for one, am not a fan of it at all. 
even after you get over like how few snaps he'll play just because of the way the roster is constructed, how much better is he making those snaps? Like how much better is Alexander Madison than Amir Abdullah? I do think he's better than Amir Abdullah. I actually think Amir Abdullah is a a huge loser of the night uh, because his roster spot is now in question. If the Vikings decide they want their running back three to be somebody like Mike Boone, who is younger with more upside, uh, which is a pretty reasonable decision to make. So if he replaces Amir Abdullah as the RB2, as the guy who comes in if Dalvin Cook is hurt or tired, how much better does he make that? Like, if if Amir Abdullah would have made it a two-yard run, what does he make it? He bowls somebody over. He maybe falls forward for two more yards. Is two extra yards on, like, three carries a game actually going to be worth anything? You just drafted six yards a game with your third-round pick. That's probably an exaggeration, but the point is he doesn't come in very much, and when he does come in, he tips off the defense to what you're doing, and he doesn't even offer anything that's going to make the play any more dynamic. He's not going to provide the value that you would expect from a third-round pick. He's not going to provide you production. He's not going to prevent production. He doesn't do anything except be there and and dish out hits that don't actually stop defenders because they're NFL caliber athletes that are just tougher than that. So all in all, I love the second round pick. That is a modern offensive player. I love the trades. That is a modern philosophy. And I couldn't stand the third round pick more because it's an archaic strategy that is born in the 90s. And on that sour note, I'm going to wrap up the episode for today. So I know that that got really negative, but I don't want that to leave the sour taste in your mouth that is is left in my mouth right now because I'm recording this like immediately after the third round ended. All in all, like I, I think like 70, 75% of the day was excellent. Irv Smith is one of my favorite Vikings draft picks in a long time. Uh, the trades are excellent value. We are, I, I tweeted this out. I'm going to say this on the show for posterity too. So I really can't delete it. I think that the Vikings will get two, at least two players that provide more than Alexander Madison with picks that they got tonight in trades than Alexander Madison himself. There will be at least two players from picks that they got tonight in trades that will be better for the Vikings than Alexander Madison. That's my bold prediction. Hold me to it. Bully me if I'm wrong and everybody doesn't make the team. But all in all, this draft weekend is going very, very well. I love the Bradbury pick. I love the Smith pick. Yeah, I'm annoyed by the third rounder. I don't like it. I think it, it is a, an adherence to an archaic policy from the old guys in the room that haven't you know, brought, gone up to modern standards. But that's not nearly enough for me to look at the draft as a whole and be even close to disappointed. Uh, I'm really happy with the way that this weekend is going so far, and I hope day three continues that. So you're probably listening to this during day three uh, while you're waiting for Rick Spielman to finally make a pick as he trades back more and more and more and more. Uh, So I I hope things are going well, uh, future listener, but that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Vikings. Thank you all so much for hanging out. As always, you can find me on Twitter at LukeBronNFL. You can find the show on Twitter at LockedOnVikings. You can find the show on any podcast app you like, or you can just ask your smart device to play podcast Locked on Vikings. And check out ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn. I'm going to go fall asleep to Irv Smith highlights made by overzealous Alabama fans. And as always, Skull!